on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And this is our 2022 season review. Look, the year didn't end the way we would have liked, but we're here to discuss it all and analyze what went right and what went wrong. But firstly, Lockie, we've been hit with some pretty big breaking news before we went to record tonight, which I think we just need to discuss before we get into that all. Because I know the listeners will be wanting to know our thoughts. And it is, we've got some delistings that have pretty much come out of nowhere. Uh, the first one mm. is that Will Hayes will not be offered a contract, but probably the bigger one, and no disrespect to Will Hayes. But Liam Stocker has been delisted. Uh, I guess, Lockie, what are your initial thoughts? And I guess, what do you make of the decision? It's good to be here, mate. Firstly, been a couple of weeks, take a week off, which is nice to uh, refresh with things. But yeah, look, not the kind of energy I was wanting to come into this show with. Um, arguably my favorite player, mm. Stocker. Such high expectations. We love what happened on draft night. Never since then, you know, nothing but love for the man. Mm. So it's it's sad. But I guess you can, you know, if you think rationally and think through all the reasons why it could be, it's possible to, to find some reasons why they haven't uh, gone forward mm. with him, I guess. Yeah, I, I was definitely shocked like most. I <laughs> flicked over to Twitter, saw the news, and I had to double take because I, I was very shocked. Mm. Did not expect that to happen, but I don't know. Like, I, I love the man. I was hoping for the best for him. But I don't know. I know a lot of people are really devastated. A lot of people very angry on the socials, but... I weirdly sort of took a step back immediately and went, okay, like why have they delisted him? And mm-hmm. like all I can think is they've obviously analyzed him enough and they don't think he's obviously good enough to be on the list. You're not just going to not offer someone a contract. And he's yeah. such an interesting guy because we've wanted him to, he's drafted as his midfielder. We've been wanting to see him there for whatever reason. He's never, <laughs> ever been given no. a go there. Even in the twos, he's still been playing this defensive role. All I can think is, does he still not have a tank to mm. run through the midfield? Like even for VFL level, is that a concern? And then if they don't rate him as a midfielder, don't see him in that block that we've seen someone like Paddy Dow even struggle to break into. Well, then you look at our small defensive stocks and well, he's not the best one-on-one defender. You'd take mm-hmm. some others over him. And he doesn't really have that speed and burst as a rebounder. So what is he and where does he fit in? So I guess when you look at it that way, hmm. it's a little bit easier to go, okay, it kind of makes sense. But like it's with a guy with such upside, uh, an early draft pick, never seen the best of him. It's a bit frustrating, I guess. And that's probably why a lot of the fans out there are pretty devastated. Hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, the part that kind of hit first for me which has often been the case when we've, we've seen a delisting that we're not that stoked about. Mm. My first thought was, surely there is so many guys 
that are, that you would want him on the list over. Yeah. And again, I love him so much. Love what he does on the field. Love how he sticks up for his teammates, all those kind of things. We're getting to that stage now where there is less and less guys every year where you kind of like, oh, I don't really see anything mm. there. And mm. and then it gets into the nuances of, yeah, him, you know, needing that contract and and all those kind of things. And like you say, where is he in the hierarchy of midfielders mm. and defenders? And yeah, I guess you can see some logic there. And, and like anything like this, we only know what we know and we don't know what's yeah. going on behind the scenes, On which wish we did. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, and I, I appreciate and can like the, I guess, kind of ruthlessness in the list management there. Like as you're alluding to saying that there's a lot of people on this list now where every year we're trying to improve that bottom six or so and we're trying to get mm-hmm. better and, there's going to be players that we think are probably up to it that we want to see take that next step and be on that list that for whatever reason aren't going to be with us. And these are some harsh calls and this is one of the biggest and harshest calls I think we've seen. We all were a little bit for sure. 50-50 about saying SPS last season. Even a Mickey Gibbons, I know a lot of people were. And you're hoping it goes the way where for, for a selfish reason, you're kind of hoping that Liam Stocker doesn't become an absolute superstar. Oh, because you don't, don't want him to do it at another club. Um, but yeah, like you do, you, I guess, and we, obviously we haven't had a lot of time to think about this, but you start to question, no. I, I guess, a little bit of the development of him. Obviously had a couple of COVID years, yeah. Yeah, that year away from the club to begin with, multiple coaches. The development has been harsh. Do you think that mm. that's played a, a, a role in this? And you, I guess, upset in moving positions and not really getting the our inability to get the best out of Liam Stocker. Mm. Potentially. I, I think you made a, a reasonable kind of assumption before about the tank and, and, you know, there being something like that that has mm. stopped him from getting to try and break out. It, like even like you said, even in the VFL, mm. like there was times where he'd come back for the VFL, get dropped, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this is going to be a chance for them to try something different with him and see – if there is going to be a role yeah. there, what can he bring? So strange mm. that we just never, I never saw that, which is what makes you think there must be something there that, yeah, you, you hope that it's not something that the club has done to limit it, but yeah, yeah. you can't rule it out. Mm. And, and I guess to go off that point, you've even seen guys like last year, SPS, who was almost you're very similar to kind of like a Liam Stocker, like yeah. a midfielder turned into a defender. Even he'd go back to the VFL and play through the midfield. You've seen Jack Martin, who's been more high half mm-hmm. forward. He plays a lot of midfield minutes in the VFL. So it's been very interesting. Like I, yep. I wish I wish they'd tell us why. I get why you wouldn't because it's probably <laughs> so harsh on Liam Stocker if the club just went out and went, this is why this player is not good enough. Like that's pretty garbage if they did that. But you also kind of want a bit more clarity because this is probably mm. the first in a long time of – a really harsh decision or one that we probably weren't really expecting. And mm. I guess there's probably going to be a lot more of these as we, I guess, keep trying to progress and become a, a better football team because the club obviously think this is the way to go. This is what gets us moving forward. Um, and it's just, it's really sad to see a guy like Stocker go. I would be devastated to see him running around in, uh, in other colors. Yeah. So 
as much as I want the best for him, that would be a sad day too. Definitely. Um, but yeah, let us know your thoughts on Liam Stocker and the delisting. Why do you think we've maybe moved on? Are you happy with it? Are you unhappy? What are your thoughts? Let us know. We'd love to hear those. But let's move on from that now. We'll definitely probably expand on that in coming weeks with our list analysis um, episodes going forward. But this is the 2022 season review. And the big question that we've kind of avoided a little bit in the last (laughs) few weeks of the season, and particularly after the last game against Collingwood, which everyone wants to know everyone's thoughts on this one. And so mm. let's start at the top oh. with it. The big, hard question. And none of this fence-sitting that you normally give me, Lockie. I need no, a none of that yes or no answer. Was this season a success or failure? Which, which way are you going? Success. Interesting. Interesting. You? I say failure. Love so it. We Look disagree, at this. Which is good. We this. never Ten seem to do in. this. Yeah. This is a beautiful time to debate. So I guess give me your reasoning on why you believe this is a success, Lucky. Now you can expand on it because it's Love I agree. It. It's it's probably not just a very black and white no. success or failure. There's definitely parts to it. So give me your reasoning. Let's debate this. Love it. Of course. And and yeah, not it's not a fence sit, I don't think, to say that there's definitely been aspects this season that have been a failure, but I think overall it's a success. I think for me. The last how many years? Seven years, maybe. We've gone into a season being like, this is the year that something's going to be different. Like maybe ever since we kind of really stripped it back and took Weeders and Harry and Charlie. Every year since then, we're like, something's going to be different. And then we look back on that season and we go, what what changed? Not really a whole lot changed. And right here sitting today, I think we are just in such an incredibly different position than we were 12 months ago. Teague was out the door. The other the other staff that we had in place at the club, just the feel of the group, um, not to mention the fact that we did end up winning more games than we lost. I think that's a success to say that we have completely changed the direction that we're going um, and, and seen a big step forward. Not making finals is a disaster, as we've said considering the position that we're in. Um, but I still think it's a su- success for us to say that we are a different club now and we still won 12 games. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I definitely accept your answer there. Um, but yeah, I guess I respectfully disagree. I think my reasons yep. for it not being a success is, and, and this is kind of like the harsh thing where I think my mind's kind of changed recently in we're here to win premierships and we have to aim high and probably the expectation for this year was finals or at least in that area, which, yeah, we got in that area. But as the season progressed, as we put ourselves in that position and you even look at the last two games, both winnable positions to get into finals and we we failed that. And so for mm-hmm. my expectation and the outcomes that we wanted and that we set for ourselves. And even mid-season, I remember you saying you could see us having like 15, 16 wins out of this. Yep. And we went through each of Definitely. them and we we had reset and recalibrated after results had gone a certain way and said, okay, this is the expectation. And I think as we didn't hit that and we did not make finals, that's a failure. Now, on, on that, 
and we are we've been pretty big on this for years ever since really starting the podcast this isn't like a and we love this phrase like a finals or bust because it's like well what does that even mean and what what is a, what is a failure because last season was a failure we sacked half the half all the coaches we got rid of board members there was so much wholesale change from the failure that was last season now is this failure like that no we've clearly improved in a lot of areas there's been a lot of good things it looks like the culture's been reset we've got a lot of good building blocks there's been improvements in coaching so much has been a tick but i think for me i'm looking at that overall did we make finals as being my success or failure and that's how i'm grading it and so for me because Mm -hmm. i want to have that high standard i want to hold us to that for me it's a failure yep Plenty of good reasons there, and uh, I tend to agree with most of it. The The part that where it falls down for me, the dogs lose the other weekend, we're in finals. Are you mm. sitting here saying it's a success then? Probably, because you make finals. And I get, I I'm totally understand. We didn't do anything that, different. I get like, that, but it's, yeah. you, still make, you still make finals. And I guess that was the expectation, and it's probably not as much as a success. And I think we kind of, we touched on this heaps in the last few rounds saying, if we lose the last four games of the season, we don't probably deserve to make finals because that's not good enough. And we, what we won one of one out of our last five or six or something like that. It was, yeah. Yeah. Something insane. Cause we, yeah, we lost to Geelong. So that's, it's an awful run home after that midway point. And when we were absolutely flying eight and two, nine and three, that back end of the season has been pretty much a failure for me. And, and I totally understand your argument on that. But I guess if I'm saying that this season, for this is my opinion, obviously, if I'm <laughs> grading this as a success, I just don't think that's good enough, personally. Like, I don't think that it's, re, it's right to label this a success when mm-hmm. we haven't hit the target that we set out for ourselves and to then bottle the last few games in the manner that we did, it is quite hard for me to sit there and go, and I know this isn't how you're grading it, but go, mm-hmm. yep, good job, boys, because I just feel like that would be wrong, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, it's definitely not a, a good job, boys, kind of moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. It's like... T- yeah, I don't know. Some people would argue that the only way to have a successful season, for instance, is yeah. to win the flag. Yeah. And so if you make the grand final and don't win the flag, is that a success? Some people would argue not. So it's all about mm. what your metric is. Some people would be even more lenient than me, I would I would assume, and say any progress, like mm. any more wins than losses in the previous year is a success. If you're going yep. if you're going up, that's good. I'm not there, but yeah, I guess we all draw the line somewhere. Mm. And I like that at least when we have this discussion, because I know we've had a little bit of it outside of the pod is like both of us are still wanting the same thing. And even though I'm saying it's a failure, it's that's not a bad thing. Me saying that we haven't reached the target of what I set for us, not a bad thing because you can learn from that and you can build from it. And like I alluded to, it's not this, oh, we've failed. So therefore Vossi has to go and we have to gut the list and go into another rebuild. It's not that kind of failure. Exactly. It's not that kind of 
<laughs> failure. It's okay. We didn't hit this target. What went wrong? Let's analyze that and go from here. But uh, yeah, I guess my final rounding yeah. out point on that is just that I find it hard to say success when I'm still looking at things so negatively with, with so many mm. results. But yeah, I guess again, let us know. Did you find it a success or did you guys listening think it was a failure and give your reasons? Cause I'd love to see this debate in the comments of YouTube or even tweet at us, email us, let us know that one. Love it. Um, So on that, and I feel like we might have some different uh, results in this one. (laughs) Give me your grade for the season. So we'll do the old high school report on this one. Um, So it could be anywhere from an an A plus to an F. Uh, Give me your report card for how this season went. Oh, it's so vague that we might end up giving the same or I give a lower grade than you. (laughs) Maybe we have different expectations of what the results are. Well, I would say, I would say premiership is A++ and that means top four is A+. So I would say finals is an A. So I'm going to give us a B. Mm, I'm I'm very (laughs) close. No, I get you. I'm the same. It's like, well, a successful season, like the top, the t- highest you can go is a grand is winning a grand final, and then yeah. like making the grand final, you kind of make your way down. And yeah, I would have given us an A if we had made finals. Yeah. We didn't, and I probably should be a B, but I think because of and maybe it's just recency bias on this second half of the year, I think situationally because of what we built up in this first half and yeah. how it went, I've given us a C plus. So we're not too yep. far off it. it. And it probably, I'll f- reflect on this with more weeks to come and it probably should be a B. But yes, I've given it a C plus. Yeah, that's fair. And I just want to throw this, I don't know, thought come on. experiment out there. And I, it's not, I'm not saying I subscribe to this. I just want to put this out there and maybe some listeners might, th- this might tickle something in their brain. If, I think we spoke about this on an episode about how different it was, you know, Collingwood's, Shit start to the season, rise to the top mm. versus us. If if we'd lost the season, the f- first four games of the season in this way, and then mm. say basically the season had all gone reversed, we had to win our last three games, beat Richmond, then beat the Dogs, and then say we had to beat Hawthorne by fifteen points in order to make it, and then we only beat them by one. I just want, I just wonder where we, it, where our mindset would be at. If we're like after four rounds, mm. we're zero and four, and we're like this is a disaster, nothing's changed. And then we go and win 12 games and we just miss out but still win the last game of the season. Mm. What are we saying? I'm not saying it would be different. Just no. Out there. I've, I really like that point because it kind of goes to something else I wanted to touch on. So I'll kind of shift that into this thing, which is... Love it. I think I was pretty frustrated in... And, and I go back to the comments. I think it was Vossi that said this. He was like, mm. look, how we play round one is not how it's going to be round 23. Like things will change. We're going to evolve. I think I'm probably most frustrated about the season because, <laughs> yes, he was correct. How we looked in round one <laughs> is not how we looked at the end of the season. But I probably didn't get that more linear progression that I was hoping to see. And I get it. Totally. That's not always how things are. But I didn't feel like we got the improvement throughout the season that I expected. We started so well. There were so many good parts of this game style. And then everything that seemed to be our best parts, this clearance game and the team defense was going really well. Everything sort of didn't end up how it was. And I probably didn't see the natural progression of that game plan. It 
mm-hmm. didn't sort of work out how I expected. So that's probably the frustration. And I get your point of if you reverse it, is it probably a bit more of a success? And you probably say ultimately it's a failure because like, why did you start the, the season so poorly? Mm. But I think you can take a bit more positivity because you've finished off so well and you can kind of yeah. take that growth throughout the season and then go, see, look, we started poorly, but we look at what we've built. And then you take that into the next year. When you kind of yeah. went high and have then digressed, you're kind of thinking, well, are we going to improve again next year or are we on this downward slope? Like, I don't think we are, but it's a lot yeah. harder to be super optimistic after seeing this sort of downward slope for the rest of the year. What's your sort of thought yeah. on if you kind of flipped it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It is it, a moment from the preseason sticks with me where it was probably even early in the preseason where you were like very much like, okay, we've got Voss in. Like we've just changed so much shit. Mm. Who knows how long this yeah. is going to take for it to start clicking. So then after three weeks of the season, when we're like, oh, look at that. It all clicked instantly. We were like, we'd change our expectations, which is just what mm-hmm. makes me think that if we were 0 and 4, are we like, yes, the walls are on fire, but also let's give him time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's all hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. I think this is the, the hardest thing for me to, I guess, look your direct, the way you're looking at it is simply in the last definitely two games, we put ourselves in that position. And like people, people cool. have said like, oh, we obviously had injuries throughout the year and all these little things. But I was like, we had the chance. It was on our foot to win this game. The ball oh, was yeah. in our hands. We had it. It wasn't as if, and I said this at the start of the season, I said I could cop us not making finals if, you know, we were very close, but I saw all these positive things and we just lost to better teams. But it's like, I didn't think we got that in the end. It was like, we lost the games. Um, so I think that's just where we differ at this stage, which is absolutely fine. I'm glad that we're finally disagreeing a little bit and having a bit of a a healthy debate on this, on this podcast. I certainly hope nobody thinks that I'm satisfied, (laughs) happy, all of those things. I didn't watch, I pretty much didn't watch a second of football on the weekend because I could not bear to see football without us in the, in the picture. Mm. So I'm as devastated as everyone else listening. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So I guess we've graded the season. We've talked a bit about the players and the team. Let's talk about the coaching. How would you grade, maybe this is just Vossi or, or the whole coaching group, how would you grade Vossi. the coaches? It's a good question. Uh, maybe maybe I need you to, to kick off this this okay. one because I, 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 I feel like I'm very aligned in, in terms of just the season and the mm. coaching as a whole. So I'm keen to hear your take. Yeah, it's it's maybe weird of me to rate the coaching higher than the season, uh, but I've given it a B. So not too much higher, but when I was kind of evaluating this, I think this is where I kind of look a bit more into, well, what was he dealing with beforehand? And that's probably what where you're looking at all of this, saying, well, these guys yeah. have not had an AFL standard coach for most of their career, if not all of them, for a fair <laughs> few of these guys. And they haven't had systems. They haven't had anything. And just the the professionalism standards that have changed now for this group, we have a brand of footy. We have all these things that we kind of wanted at the start of the year. It was like, what are we? And I, we, 
we both actually listened back to our season previews and mm-hmm. I know both of us were talking about like, I just want a brand of footy. I want something to go, that's Carlton. I think we've kind of got that now, this possession-based, high, contested footy. And that is nice to have. We kind of I know a bit more what we expect to see every week. Um, and so I think the coaching has been pretty good. I can't rate it super highly because obviously there's results that haven't mm. gone our way. But then also I feel like we've been slow to adjust a few times and maybe some of the the, the mix, particularly the, the midfield mix, we sort of we battled injuries. Mm. We struggled to win the, the clearances at times, which was our contested thing. And then really only the last few games when we were completely decimated, we changed things up. You saw a Doherty go through there. You saw a set of field and it started to look a lot better and things were working mm. nicely. And you just kind of thought, should they have pulled that lever earlier in the season and tried different things instead of just continually going with the same group? And so yeah. that's probably why I've haven't given them the full marks, but yeah, I've given them a B. What about you, Lockie? Yeah, I'm pretty aligned with that. I won't, um, I won't repeat anything that you've said. The, the one thing that I would add is just the, and maybe it's more of a, a a fan perspective than it is for the players. Like, who knows what the players really think? But you know, just the personas that we had with Bolts mm. and Teagues, yeah, just how just how different it is. It just feels like, you know, you feel like the players want to run through mm. a, a wall for Vossi, and you feel like mm. he'll give them a spray behind closed doors at the right time, and yeah. you just feel his passion. And I, I think I. You know, I feel like you'd agree with me that the way he presents himself in the media is just feels a lot better than it did with the old train. So if not, I think that's also uh, something that gives him some little bonus marks. Mm. We love Voss. Yeah. yeah, I think when you're looking after that game, it took me a little bit to listen, but I really did want to hear what Vossi said in that press conference. And probably the last mm. season when things were going wrong, the last thing you wanted to do was tune into a David Teague presser because... You just you weren't going to get uplifted. It was a pretty much no. a train wreck. Like, unfortunately, his communication, particularly to the fans, just wasn't really there. You weren't hearing the right things. You weren't getting that inspiration that I think you do with a Voss. And there's that part yeah. that clearly comes from what he is and what he has been able to get as a as a player. With obviously with all that success, that yeah. makes his profile that little bit higher. But it is the way he speaks and those little things. You are looking for that inspiration and trying to buy in and believe with everything he says. And yeah, it's probably the first time really in my lifetime that I've probably had this coach that Hmm. you're really looking towards him and hoping that he can fix Hmm. it and then hearing all the right things from him. So it's, it's an exciting time as much as there are a lot of things that didn't go right this year. There's still a lot good. And as much as I'm negative on the season in certain aspects, where I would so much rather the me calling this season a failure compared mm. to me having to call last year whatever the whatever oh, yeah. garbage dumpster <laughs> fire that thing was. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> hey, what about Mickey Malt? He didn't exp- oh. inspire? Come on. <laughs> Mate, he no, couldn't see us losing on. the game, and that's the inspiration you needed. That blind <laughs> optimism. I think he genuinely was blind, to be honest, by the end of his <laughs> coaching career. Some of the decisions he was making. But we move on and, okay, we'll go through, I guess, some positives and negatives from the year. Lockie's, cool. you're a little bit higher on things than I am with your <laughs> ratings of success. So tell me Ever the so things slightly. that you think 
went right this season or the things you can kind of take in and go, mm. okay, this is what we can look forward to next year because we've, we've either nailed this or it's, it's very close. It's very positive. Interesting. I hadn't really thought about where I was going to go with this question. The first thing that comes to mind though, um, I feel like we've got less kind of positional and player question marks than mm. we have had in memory, not just recent yep. memory, memory. Like yeah. there's those there's those few spots where it's like, oh, we could, you know, I wonder if this guy will keep improving and nail that spot down. Could we bring someone in? But man, normally we do this kind of thing and we're like, well, there's those eight holes that we'd love to fill <laughs> for us to even compete. So it feels like some of those questions are starting to go, which feels good. Yeah. And even looking at like say best 22s last few years, there'd been a lot of, well, okay. It's hard to know who's playing this position because mm. you've got all these guys that could play it, but you weren't confident with any of them where now yeah. for a vast majority, you've still got that competition, but it's a lot of, well, he does this really good, but he does this. And it's, it's hard to almost fit a few of these guys in. So I agree with you. Yeah. There's a lot more positives. And that was probably my big takeaway. You know how much I've spoken about this in the past. Long time listeners would know my little question mark players. And, and yeah. Zach Fisher was the sort of poster boy for that one. Finally, a lot of these guys have shown enough, particularly this year, where I'm no longer going, oh, just show me something. Can you nail down this best 22? Like they've shown me enough now to say, yes, this guy yeah. is definitely in this team moving forward. So that's probably so been one of the big ones. And then I guess I kind of already covered it, but another one was just like, we've got this brand of football now and yeah. we've got this system. And now we hopefully can just improve from that going forward, which yeah. it's always that difficult thing when you get a new coach because we've seen this so many times, unfortunately, as Carlton supporters over the past 20 years. You get a new coach in, you're hoping to see all these things go well and it just doesn't happen for us. Whereas this exactly. season, we have seen so much progression. So that's that's definitely probably been the positive for me. Do you have any other yeah. key ones that you've sort of thought of? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. What that leads into is me at least being able to see the clear, you know, you mentioned the our progression hopefully being linear earlier. Mm. The way that I can see that happening from here, it doesn't feel like a whole lot of dots that still need to be connected. Yeah. Um, maybe that's too optimistic, but, you know, you can look back game by game at the ones that we could have won, could have won the last two games, like you say. Um, all those little things, like yeah. a bit more injury luck, just some small progression from different players. Like get McGovern out onto the field, being the All-Australian, like you called <laughs> that he would be. And he bloody showed it in a few games there. Mm. Um, like it just feels like the, the path is there. Where yeah. in, like I said, in other years, it's kind of like, wow, a lot of stuff's going to have to go right here for us to compete. But for yeah. us, we only have to just be a little bit better. And where, mm. like, We're win competing. by a tiny bit more, lose by a tiny bit less, and we make the eight. It's insane exactly. the tiny margins that have hurt us this year. And I guess my last, probably big positive was, and there's probably still a little bit of this, um, particularly I found during the end of the season, like we were probably a little bit still reliant on a few individual players at times with mm. the way we were moving the ball. It was very, gee, we need a we need a Harry to take a mark here. We need this. And maybe that's just 
football. You need your best players to stand up in those key moments. But I think as yeah. a whole, I, I think I was very impressed this year that we seem to move away quite a lot from that reliance on individuals and then playing more as a team. And you can highlight this probably the most with the amount of injuries we had this season and mm-hmm. in certain positions at certain times and then call, re- calling and relying upon the depth of this list and the standard not dropping as much as I imagined it would. You look at that defense that got decimated. You look at mm-hmm. the midfield that got killed in the last few games and what they were able to do with just plugging in different players was absolutely unbelievable. And it, it's so frustrating that we didn't win. We didn't beat a Melbourne, didn't beat a Collingwood because you win, you beat, you win Collingwood, you beat Collingwood without Kennedy, Hewitt, Walsh in that midfield. That is a ridiculous victory. You beat Melbourne without Chera, Hewitt, Kennedy. That is a massive victory. And we got so close. So at least we clearly got something going here and and the coaches and the system and how things are playing out is, is definitely a positive for once. Love it. Love it. And I mean, yeah, the, yeah, man, when are we going to sit here at the end of a season and go, gee, we had a good run of injuries this year. Is that ever going to happen? And it's not to it's not to say that everything is because of that, but it's just yeah. it's true. We we never mm. reflect on a season and go, "Wow, we were one of the healthiest clubs this mm. year." Wow, we were one of the clubs that used the fewest number of players. Mm. Um, and I'm looking looking forward to that day. Definitely, me too. Uh, let's change tack. Let's talk about the negatives. What were you? I guess not happy with this season and what are kind of our areas you think still for improvement that will take us from missing finals to then being that top four competing for the grand final? Well, honestly, injuries is one of them. I think that's something that we're going to have to, you know, for us to get all the pieces together to actually be able to have that super successful season. I think we're going to have to, you know, get a little, at least a little bit of luck there. I think one thing that comes to mind I've never just been stoked about the way that we are going inside 50 throughout a whole game or through like a patch of games. It just always seems like we, yeah, we just have some guys and whether it's the guys themselves or whether it's the, um, you know, the tactics or the strategy to just kind of get the ball in there um, easily intercepted or goes out of bounds or, you know, we're not in a favorable, favorable position. I think that's one area where mm. if we could just get a little bit smoother on that and maybe it's guys like Walsh and Cripps, like put your hand up, you're the guys getting so much of the ball that that disposal yeah. going forward needs to be, that's that little bit better. That's something that I was kind of hoping for a bit more of, especially in the second half mm. of this season. Yeah, now that kind of works and ties well into mind, which was just composure. You saw that yeah, in the same thing. Those, those critical games and critical moments. We just lacked that composure and footy IQ to either finish off teams when like you look early in the season and there was plenty of them, the Hawthorne game, the Port game where we just let teams back in. You can even say the Sydney game as well. Like there were a lot where we got out to this massive lead and then it was just like we were holding on and hoping that either they'd miss chances and we'd just waste enough time to get over the line and it hurt us in eventually you look at the the percentage and then how we end up losing those last few games for me it's just composure and whether that's yep. leadership like how you fix that is probably the hardest thing and you can easily look at this and go 
we're a very inexperienced team, not only mm. for playing in those big moments, but because we had to use so many players. I can't remember the stat completely off, off the top of my head, but I know for a lot of this season, we were one of the younger sides out there every single yep. week. It, it wasn't like, you know, last year when on the years prior where we were being one of the oldest, it was like we were bottom four as far as like the youngest are concerned. So mm-hmm. is that part of it? Is that just going to improve as these guys get a little bit more maturity and deal with these moments and then are able to learn from that by being in these high pressure situations and going, okay, yeah. I can't make that decision under pressure. Like this is what we do. Is it game plan, understanding and sort of rewiring these players to go, okay, when I get the ball here in this situation, no, it's not long down the line. It's this. And mm. I just need to trust myself and back myself in. Like, I don't know hundred percent what it is, but I think that's probably the big thing that just let us down in a lot of key moments this year. I think it's a great one. I, I, the The fourth quarter against Collingwood would be the highest pressure quarter that the majority mm. of our guys playing would have been in. So yeah. you just hope that, you know, you optimistically think, you know, is that, yeah, do they really learn from those situations? And mm. then, you know, the the smaller moments even aren't so scary in the next season. Yeah. Did you have Did you have any other sort of negatives or, or sort of areas for improvement? No, apart from that, everything was pretty perfect, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that sarcasm, sarcasm translates. Uh, nothing else comes to mind, though. Yeah, I guess probably my other one, which will eventually lead into the list management stuff. It mm-hmm. probably it sounds so dumb to say this in a way because we've had back-to-back common medalists and we have probably two of the best key forwards in the competition. But uh-huh. weirdly, I, I just... It's, it comes down to those small and medium-sized forwards. A big area for improvement and probably a bit of a letdown is that we probably didn't get that third forward that I yeah. thought we were going to get, whether it was Jack Martin stepping up, whether it was a progression of Honey, Owies, Durden. Obviously, Motlop showed quite a lot in those key moments, but it was mm-hmm. his first season, so I maybe wasn't expecting the big jump from him. But no. that's still an area on our list I think we – we need something and, and I hate to bring them up, but you look at the team like Collingwood and the way that they play. It seems like all of their small seem to step up in those moments. And I don't even want to name them all because do it. they do there's it all no the point. time, but there's three we or four of them. And you, and you look at the, the top teams out there, like look at this week with like Gary Rowan comes out and wins you a game of football. I don't think we've had that consistency in a lot of ours being able to step up and do that. So that's probably another area that we just are lacking a little bit and Definitely. we're maybe a little bit too reliant at times. But I don't know, maybe that's a little too harsh when you've got two of the best key forwards that, of course, those guys are going to kick all the goals. No, it's completely fair. I mean, there's we're not perfect in any area. So you could pretty mm. much say any part of the team and say it's somewhere where we can look to improve. So, yeah. I, um, yeah, gosh. And who's it going to be? Can't wait to do that. <laughs> exactly. Look forward to next season. We'll get there. Hundred percent. Is there anything you kind of, on a big holistic view, wanted <laughs> to talk about this season at all, or did you want to move into some of the fan questions? No, I think I think we've covered the majority of it, mate. Like I said, I I'm I'm glad. You know, like not glad. The the position that we're in now, I think, 
is at least similar to where I hoped we would be a year ago. Because a year ago, all we had was optimism mm. and we were yep. just like, we have no idea what we're going to get. I remember you saying to me, I don't even know if it was on the pod or not, but it was like, there's a chance that we could be worse this year just because yeah. of all the change. Everything was different. We mm. brought in, you know, new new midfielders. Liam Jones was gone, all those things. It's like, mm. who knows? We might not even be as good. Mm. What are we going to do then? Yeah. So at least and, we can sit here and say we're better. We're not where we want to mm. be, but the you know the pathway's mm. there. And like even on that, it's it's always that hard thing where we've had this list for so long, and every single year it's been they're going to do it this year. They're going to make exactly. that big step, and we're playing finals. And for most of the years, you go, well, at what stage are these players actually just not good? Have we rated this list too high? And I think that the a mm-hmm. big positive is that for the most part on a lot of these players, no, they are good. We just had some awful coaching and the culture and, and the standards and everything that makes a good footy team good, we didn't have. And I'm very hopeful that we're now on this on this big path. But uh, hit me with some fan questions, Lucky. All right. Well, I'll be taking them from Twitter as well as Instagram. So thank you to everyone that uh, replied to us on there. Um, I'll throw a few out there for you. Yeah. We kind of touched this, I think, after the the Pies game, but I think it's a good one to kind of talk about and hopefully be optimistic. So from Wilson, do the last last two weeks continue to haunt us, essentially mm. becoming the monkey on our back? Or does it make us and become something that players talk about after success, saying from that point on, we made a pact to never let it happen again? Oh, I love I love mm. the phrasing of that, Wilson. That's good. I like that. It's it's an interesting one. If you were to write the Hollywood movie of the oh. coming of age, this is the fairy tale story of a sports team. You write us losing that game by a point. Like that Love is it. the perfect Villain script arc. to show us <laughs> come through and, and win the grand final. But unfortunately, like life's just not a fairy tale. And I, I hate to be so blunt to just rip that away from you, but <laughs> it's it's just that like, oh, no. I guess realistic aspect of it that like I'll fence it. Like I don't know. I, I hope with every part inside of me that this is what makes us and go, okay. We got close, but we realized that what we thought was good enough and what we thought would get us to where we needed to be obviously isn't it. And that's kind of what Vossi's somewhat been alluding to, talking about the preseason, like, well, we've got to go harder because clearly what we did wasn't good enough. And I think that's it. So I'm hoping that this is that. And you you could see that in their faces. Just I'm haunted by the images of the Carlton players after that spiral. Because you look at it and all you can think is they don't want to do this again. And you hope it builds them. But, I mean, who knows? There is a world where that breaks them because they gave everything and they're like, well, we're not good enough and that'll be it. But surely, surely that's not the end of us. You wouldn't think. What do you think, Lockie? No, I'm not, I'm not going to build on that. I think uh, you've you've described it well. And my optimistic ass will just say that, yeah, why not? It's the Hollywood the movie. Flag. It's the bloody Hollywood movie, Wilson. You bloody nailed it, mate. You nailed it. <laughs> Tim Gigantor on Twitter. Are we all agreed that Collingwood is now the least liked team? <laughs> Feels funny saying that after hating Essendon for so long, but the carry-on and trolling from the Pies supporters has really galvanized my dislike into a whole other realm. 
Not sure if you if you have an opinion on this one, mate, but I thought it was worth reading out from Tim there. Very worthwhile from you, Tim. Thank you for that one. It's interesting. I'll try and be quick on this, but mm-hmm. their fans and everything I've seen on social media makes me want to throw my phone in the Yarra River and never go <laughs> online ever again. Wow. Uh, just some of the dumbest individuals that have ever graced the earth. I do not understand how some of these human beings exist and get through everyday life. I cannot fathom how they have enough money to be able to, like how they even earn a living to be able to afford the phone <laughs> to type on. Some of the shit that they say is the worst. That's I think what you really think. In a, a good part of this is I feel like it's really fostered this rivalry for probably our generation that like we we definitely, both of us, I think, hate Essendon more than Collingwood. Would that be correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like this has brought back what a lot of the older Carlton supporters go, well, yeah, I hate Essendon too, but it's like Collingwood's the one. And I think this and seeing how they react has definitely rejuvenated the rivalry. But I, I oddly, I hate their fans almost more than I hate the football club, whereas Essendon... I don't know. Like I watched the girls play this weekend and I've never said so many horrific things towards the television, towards Essendon. <laughs> and I, I, just, I remember turning to my girlfriend and going, there is something about this club, Essendon, that just takes me to a dark, dark place. Oh, and I know. I don't know why. Collingwood supporters can say all they want, but weirdly Essendon takes me to a different dimension. What about you? Yeah, no, again, you've... you've... You've summarized it well. It definitely it's been it's been hard. I feel like with Collingwood, I I don't know. Over the last few years, I I my dislike of them had kind of mellowed a little bit. Mm, I agree. Like Which like all odd. of us were we were just raised like it was like they are just the enemy. And as I kind of got older and older, I'm like, oh, I don't know. They're they're okay. There's 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 worse out there. We don't love them, but there's worse, like the bombers and Hawthorne were getting to me, etc. Mm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But this season it's just <laughs> Oh, it's reignited. So, oh yeah, we're ready to go next season. Bring it on. Got one here, kind of similar to what we you were saying earlier, but it'd be nice to build on a little bit. So, from Andrew Everly, how do we get more out of our small forwards next season? So, I mean, jeez, yeah, you, you hit us with an easy question there, Andrew. Not thanks, mate. You've goodie. absolutely. Destroy me on this question. I have no idea, so I'm hoping I can talk some dribble in a couple of seconds here and eventually come Maybe up it'll with come a response. To you. It'll come but to you. It's hard because they're so inexperienced. Like you look at even always who's older, how much footy has mm-hmm. he played? And so yep. part of me just thinks it's going to just take time, which sucks. But I don't know. Like Jack Martin needs to play football because – you saw in that Melbourne game just how he can be that match winner and do you still hold out hope that, that he's that guy? Or, or do we need to bring someone else in? Is it drafting another high half forward that can impact games? That Do we need to bring someone in from another team? Like I don't know what it is and I don't know how to get more out of them, but I know we need it. Do you have, do you have anything? Because mm. I'm stumped. No, I don't have anything. The, the only thing that comes to mind is... Sometimes when you look at like the stereotypical things that small forwards do at other clubs, like being, you know, hitting a pack front and center, mm-hmm. quick, 
bang snap. Like I remember in that in the Port Adelaide game in the first quarter, there was two times within a couple mm. of minutes where the ball was either in a pack or came in long, hands off to Martin, or you know Martin just roves it perfectly, snaps it for a goal. It's like those are just like those small, mm. medium-sized forward things that you love. We just don't see mm. that every. We don't even see it every game from someone where it's like those classic small forward mm. things. So I don't know whether that's kind of just who they are as players or whether it's positioning and game style and that kind of thing. But I don't know. So I'm, I'm mm. trying to think of some pl- like players like a, like a Stengel where it's like you just feel yeah. like he's always there. Like if mm. if the ball's coming in long and, and Hawk or Cameron are going for it, he's going to be at the ground there. And if it hits the ground, he's cleaning it up. Yeah. I feel like we need someone to, to be that kind of guy. Mm. No, I agree. Like you, you look at like your Papleys and your Camerons, like the top, Papley's always the, the ball is anywhere near them in like 10 meter space. They're dangerous and you're worried about them. We don't have that just yet. And I agree with you. I think positioning times with these small forwards, they've not been front and center. They've not been where they've needed to be. And they, mm. I think they need, and I don't know if this is just something that evolves or whether it's there, but it's like that urgency to just, I want to take that moment and I want to kick the goal. We've talked about this for years. Yeah, it's who wants to actually go for it instead of, oh, I'll, I'll handle it off to someone else. I'll try and find the perfect opportunity. No, take it. And I'm yeah. probably thinking real recency bias of the Collingwood game. I'm very optimistic that Motlop is that guy. And you think mm-hmm. about like that. Was it the totally. Sydney game that he, he almost kicked like six goals in a quarter from every <laughs> single touch that he had? Like... It was just insane that the guy has something, some sort yeah. of X factor where when he's around it at times, he just looks like he's about to break a game open and kick so many quick goals. So it, it might so just true. be Motlop and he just needs to <laughs> be 24 right now. I, I don't Please. know what it is, but yeah, I, I think that's definitely that big area for us. Yeah, love it. Now we can be patient there. Um so many good questions, but so many of them really closely relate to our awards and the like. Yeah. So maybe one more just because we probably won't cover this because the awards tend to be a bit more positive. But this this one from Anthony, the Lone Wolf Ant, who we love. Yeah. Um, he's asked, what player exceeded your expectations, which might come mm. up in our awards, but who did not? Oh, that's is there a, a good player question. That, is there a player that comes to mind when you think about you know, uh, yeah, them being the the underperformer. Let's throw someone under the bus here. Let's name names, name and shame. <laughs> I'll I'll throw a couple under the bus, and I'll. The good thing is that they're players that I love dearly, so I feel okay being able to do it. Um, right. Probably Adam Chera is one particularly. Um, didn't mm-hmm. have the worst year, and if you if you look at the voting that we've done this season, <laughs> it was high up in our vote count, which is for MVP medal, which is quite surprising, but. Mm-hmm. Him coming in, I was very optimistic about him. And I guess on reflection, what's made me a bit disappointed was we, we sent out the votes, the questions to the fans saying, who's like the most improved? Who's your best recruit? And all these little things. And Cherry didn't get votes. It was, no. uh, you know, you have the other recruits like your, your Lewis Youngs and your George Hewitts that took majority. And if you ask me the question, who would be the best recruit this season? It'd be like, oh, line ball between Chera and Hewitt, probably. Both of those, unbelievable. And for Chera to not be even be in the mm. conversation is yeah, a bit of a disappointment. Call. I know he's had those continuity issues, and we definitely saw a lot in that last game when the game was there to be won. And 
he's so young and I think he still will show a lot, but probably mm. that little bit of disappointment where I was hoping he'd be that perfect outside spark for us. Probably yep. just didn't live up to my expectations so far. That's a great answer, mate. And it's good because how is this man 22 years old? Yeah. 23 in a month. Dumb. So young. Mm. So still so much room to grow, which is great. So that's optimistic. But for me, we're going to have to go full circle to the start of this pod. Because like you said, I listened back to our where we were at the start of the season. And Stocks was my player to watch for this season. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, Lockie. And uh, you'll be watching him uh, play for... Who's it going to be? Go uh, on. The Aspley Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> In the name for, mate. That's, that's where he'll be, unfortunately. Oh, the Aspley Hornets. Shout out to Harris Andrews. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was the thing. The expectations, I guess, were, were high about what we could see from him this year and um, yeah. didn't deliver. So mm. it's a shame. I feel like I feel like so many of the other ones you can name were just all guys that were injured. Like in Mitch McGovern, we can go to my prediction of I had him in the All Australian forty man squad and plays about four games of football. And so you just don't get good that. ones though. Oh, look! If you're going off those four <laughs> games compared to anyone else's like four games, mate, he's in there. But I think that's another disappointment where it's like oh, we had so much yeah. high expectation. For him, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you could probably name quite a few, but yeah, I probably the good thing on that is I don't think there's a lot of high caliber players that had set a standard. It's a lot of the mm-hmm. like Liam Stocker guys, like your Paddy Dows and those kind of players that maybe just didn't take the step yet that we were thinking. Yeah, and another player that comes to mind with like the injuries is like Zach Williams. Yeah. I mean, 100%. it felt like he was getting into some form and it was like, oh, okay, maybe he's actually going to get a good run at it. Mm. Doesn't get a good run at it. Didn't yeah. meet expectations. So, mm. yeah, I think that, that covers out the questions, my man. Well, I've actually got one more for you, which maybe ties <gasps> in well because uh, one of my mates had sent this one in um, and he was very adamant that we are answer this question for him. There was almost even a, oh dear. if I did this, he may get a tattoo of the navy blue corner somewhere on him. So oh, we're we'll due see, for a tat. We'll see how this progresses. So hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but Casey Mitz asks us. He's basically <laughs> he sent in a big question. So I'll try to put it in just a little bit of a, a format for you. But all right. Kind of maybe alludes to a conversation that we had at stages um, at the end of this season, talking about our shift in expectations. And he kind of had the the question he really wanted us to answer, which was Okay. You know, were our expectations simply just too high? And that's why hmm. that we are so disappointed in this season because we started so well and had such a big start to the year and then we shifted the expectations. Like, is that an issue? Are we just where we are? And are we kind of this like, not maybe mediocre, but like middle of the range team and we just thought we were better than we were? Um, or, or should we be aiming higher and and should we be having those finals aspirations? It is a ripper question. So there's so much there's so much to it and so much of it is about what we've already discussed. I think it all kind of weaves in because yes, we did change our expectations, which I think no doubt we needed. We that's what you need to do. You you can't yeah. 
you can't sit there and go, well, we can just win another three games now and that's good. Um, mm. That's not a thing that you can do. You have to change those expectations. One thing I'll throw out there, because I mentioned this before we started, we recorded that season preview app the week after the Melbourne win in the preseason. Oh, yeah. Maybe that got us a little bit up and about at where the expectations could be. Mm. Yeah, I think that I think that think there's, I think there's a little bit to that, because we, were, you know, I was optimistic that we would be able to make top eight mm. halfway through the season. Thought we'd be able to make top four. Um, well, I, mm. I don't, I don't have a clear answer for it, but I think yeah. there's, there is a lot in that. So I'll see what you've got. Yeah, I guess for me, it's just I, I don't think that like expectations are a bad thing, and no, us saying. And setting what I think we all kind of believe as a realistic goal of finals isn't too far. And we said that before the start of the season. I know, you know, you can get a little bit carried away and go, oh, well, now it's top four and now it's we've got mm-hmm. to win a final and all these little things. But you can keep trying to lift and, and make that your target. But I think at least baseline was always there, make finals. Just make finals. That's the tick. And, yeah, the start of the season, the results maybe cloud things a little bit because we've had the discussion talking about, well, we only just sort of played a couple of good quarters against Richmond, got over the line, just held on against the Dogs. They kick, Josh Dunkley kicks a few of those goals. We might lose that game. Hawthorne, Port, even Sydney, like a lot of our wins, we held on. And then it was not a great showing, but we then had a great last couple of quarters against a North and then an Adelaide and... It's another game I'm trying to think of. I can't think of it, but it was a, another similar kind of thing where we weren't switched on the whole time and then all of a sudden, mm. bang, the game's been won in a quarter and we yeah. were never perfect. And maybe, yeah, this is just where we're at. And obviously we are because we didn't make finals and we made a lot of mistakes this year. But I just don't think that setting the expectation is a bad thing. And I think that's no, probably no, no. just where I sit. I sit on it like, yeah, the higher you set the expectation, if you don't make it, there's disappointment. But I never really believe that it's kind of like an unrealistic thing. And for us to improve, we need to be setting that benchmark. Like we need to go back to this isn't good enough. We're here to win premierships. None of this, you know, Brendan Bolton, ah, wins don't matter. We'll just, we're just about improvement. Like improvement's good. And I'm happy that we've improved this season. But, like, I'm even thinking, like, what are our expectations for next year? And maybe this is too far, but I'm thinking, let's almost act like we've made finals this year. Let's not have another year of, well, we've just got to make finals. Let's go higher. Like, why aim for the same thing we did last year? Why not try to take that next step again? Because you got so close. Like you've said, optimistically, at stages. Like, we were dogs not kicking a couple of extra goals away from making finals so let's mm-hmm. go let's shoot for top four now it's not a failure if we don't make top four if we still make finals but let's try and make that jump and i think that's just how i'm kind of seeing everything yeah. at the moment yeah that that's super fair maybe one kind of differentiation to make as well is about like what's a what's a goal and then is an expectation something that you expect to happen like, is that what we're talking mm. about as an expectation here? Because I wasn't, ex- was I, like, it wasn't a guarantee. I didn't feel like it was a guarantee that we were going to make finals this season. It was just, 
what I was hoping. Like that was the yeah. goal, if that kind of makes sense. Mm. No, I like, get I, you. I was I... kind of I was expecting to improve, but mm. um, the goal for me was to make finals. So yeah. like I'm not expecting us to finish top four next mm. year by any means. No. But I am expecting us to yeah. make finals. Yeah. I I think it just goes back to me thinking we put ourselves in that position mid season and even with four or five rounds to go, that this is a clear, simple path. We've done all the hard work, finish it, because how many times did we not even jokingly say throughout this season, like, we're a finals team. How many, it's almost like, are we winning a final now? Like, what, where are we getting to? And I don't think that that was unrealistic at any stage. Yeah. No, it's very fair. We're in agreement. Great question, Casey. So let's take us to revisiting our predictions from the start of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll try and get through them quickly. We'll say a couple of them. Um, we'll start with the hot takes and see if any of these actually came true because <laughs> mine certainly did not. I had a couple. Oh, we suck one. at hot takes. No, but th- th- see, the good thing is we're not trying to be this, oh, We'll win a couple of games of we'll win more games than we did last season. Like we're not exactly. here Come trying to genuinely predict the easy stuff. We're here shooting for the moon. We're going for it. And that's why it's a hot take. And mine was Corey Durden to be the second highest goal scorer, which for the second year running did not happen. And I'm pretty much retiring that one now. No, no more rehashing. No. That's out of here. We're Sorry, Corey. You've let me down too many times, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to do it next year. Now he's oh, going to will. It. Just to spite me, I think. Um, and uh, another couple I had, which I said that Lockie O'Brien would become what Carl Amon was for Port in 2021, yeah. going off the Michael Voss influence. And I think he improved, but maybe not to the level that I, I maybe ambitiously set for him. Mate, I can't believe you haven't read this one out. You said that Walsh and I mean this isn't this is still Go TV for it, man. And Go a few for of it, man. TV. I'll give you the spotlight here. Walsh and Cripper top ten in the Brownlow. Mate, very Locking likely in. still at this stage. I reckon that was a good one. And we'll get to a couple of yours as well. I'll quickly round out the last of mine. <laughs> Obviously, Mitch McGovern did not make the all Australian 40 man squad. If you could go off those games, God, he would get in there. Um, and then mm-hmm. my other one. Fortunately, didn't happen. Maybe looked like it at some stage, though, which yeah. was that Jack Carroll shows quite a lot throughout the season and ends up basically being one that we lock in best 22 for 2023, which did not happen, unfortunately. But, Lockie, do you have yours all, all written down? <laughs> I, I, think, I think I have them all written down. <laughs> but uh, what did I have? I said we were going to get Harry back-to-back Coleman and he was going to outscore his previous tally. I don't hey. mind your shout because we technically still got the Coleman medalist. So I'll almost pay that one. But no, that was a I'd, big shout. That's one from one. Um, and then and then I had Ed Kerno best clubman. TBD. Oof. TBD. Um, Mate, he was course, the runner on the weekend in the VFL. So maybe he gets that he? award. Who knows? Does a lot for what us. Just? Man, how good was Jack Couldn't Carl play, but he's the, the runner. <laughs> he was, was so. good. Get him in. Lock, lock for 2023. This is the thing. I knew we were going to do this episode before like every all the finals yeah. and stuff happened because I said I called the drawn the drawn grand final. That was a I hot do take. remember That's still going to happen. You had this dream where you I had did. like <laughs> Brisbane in there. You had Charlie Cameron controversy. There was a 
a reversal of a free kick and there was a drawn mm-hmm. grand final. You said it would be Melbourne, Brisbane, just to kick things off here. So I'm very excited for that one. But you got to say that this one's a big one for you. You predicted three all Australians. You ran that prediction back. Yes. You didn't get the same players correct, but I'll pay you the all Australian. <laughs> you said Weeders, Walsh, and Cripps would get there, but I mean, oh, Weeders. You predicted the three all Australians. I will, I'll let you accept your award for that one. I appreciate that, mate. And this is why you should be running dirts back next year. <laughs> Just run it back, run back our takes until we get there. Until it happens. And then yeah. your last one, though, and this, again, we still don't one. know, could happen. Oh, yeah. Was that the biggest fish that is moved in the offseason will come to Carlton. Now, maybe this is part of Nick Austin's plan. We get rid of Liam Stocker. We get rid of some of these players you really love because we're ready for that big fish. And no, it's not Zach Fisher. He's locked away. There's another one coming and swimming down our stream. You know why? They needed to free up the number 13. <sighs> so let me just do a quick little look-see here. At is there any 13s? The that, that come in. Oh, there it is. I feel like Goz on GMZ. But Clayton Oliver to Carlton next season. Oh, mate. Remember when that was genuinely a thing a couple years back? <laughs> Maybe he wants out. Who knows? Melbourne in disarray. Luke Jackson going. He's had enough. Who knows? Big fishes could be moved. Uh, let's go to our... This is a fun one. We'll go into players to watch. I had a couple here. I'll start yes. with my... Maybe ones that didn't go too well, which was uh, David Cunningham. Uh, I would like someone to keep watch on him because I'm not sure this man exists still. Uh, I was very fortunate, though, to see him at the Melbourne game in the stand. So Ah. take his photo off the milk cartons. I found him. He's still alive. (laughs) He's been found. But, yes, bad bad season for him, not being able to get out on the field. Uh, Other one was Brody Kemp, who... We didn't really see a lot of him, unfortunately. So another one that didn't work, but I'm happy to call this one a tick. I said, Matt Kennedy, and maybe I went almost too big on this because I did this and back, and I likened Matt Kennedy to a potential Ollie Wines-like season under Ravossi. Thought he'd take that next step as that tough inside mid, seeing what Port Adelaide did, but I'm pretty happy to take that one, Lockie. You've gone from D-list the man to he's going to win the Brownlow in uh, a few short months. Lucky man. That's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mentioned Stocker before, um, which will put a tear down my face. Um, yeah, and Durden was another one that I had to watch. Um, and look, good season for Durden. Yeah. He, he progressed. It was his first full um, crack at it, which was good. But, you know, you and I, we had some uh, some high, high hopes for the man to, uh, I don't know, kick 40 goals. Is that what you were yeah. thinking he'd do? So it's <laughs> next year, it's inevitable. Next year is breaking the ton. Um, they heard it here first. Uh, now, this is probably my favorite thing to look back on is the players that were under the pump at the start of the year yeah. and now reflecting and seeing how their seasons have gone. Has it been positive? Has it been negative? Um, okay, I'll start with some better ones because the first one on my list might not go down too well. Um, but I had a couple of controversial ones under the pump. I'll start with okay. Caleb Marchbank. Now, a player that I have a lot of love and admiration for. But my under the pump was, mate, he has not played football in like three years. Yep. Can he get out on the field? And I was very worried that if he didn't get any continuity and he still had a lot of injury setbacks that 
He was out of contract and that would just be him done. Because yeah. how many times can you keep going with the same play that gets injured? I'd say that's his comeback at the end of the season and the form he's been in has been so positive that you can take this man out of under the pump. And if he's able to stay healthy over the offseason, the man could be, hot take, All-Australian next year. Oh, he said it. So he's not under the pump anymore? Is that what you're saying? He is. He's holding the pump now, mate. He's not under it. Love that. He's standing on the thing. <laughs> he's all over it. Um, my other one, I had another one, which was Zach Williams. Very similar reasons was yeah. high-paid recruit. I think he's still a little bit under the pump. Like we saw so much in that last game of football and when he was was playing, but again, he still got those injury concerns that we need to get a season out of him because we haven't got that yet. And so I'd say he's still somewhat mm. under the pump. Did you um, write down my under the pumps? I wrote down yours if you don't have them there, mate. Thank God. I didn't listen this deep. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see sad. that Lockie, Lockie's a big fan of the Navy Blue Corner. He won't even listen back to his own I podcast. Was, I was thinking that we were in good form in that episode, but it was getting me too sad, sad thinking about all the optimism. <laughs> well, I'll tear you down because my last one was Lockie Plowman, who I sort of said, like, are we going to go past him this season? And I think we kind of have, unfortunately. Um so he's probably still under the pump. He's still in that position yeah. of there's too many guys that have maybe gone past him now. But is that a good thing for Carlton? Probably. Now yours, Absolutely. you had Jack Martin as one. So again, in this oh, realm yeah. of injured players, still well and truly going to be under the pump, Lockie. Um, do you have anything for Jack Martin? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Uh, I don't know what we're like. We're, <laughs> what the goal is for this uh this category, like, is the goal no calf injuries for God's sake? Give this man a calf transplant, I'll donate him. I don't, I don't probably, hey, probably don't go to me. I'm very injury prone. Find someone, find the best calf doctor in the bloody world, mm. pay him all the money possible. We've got these bloody $200,000 treadmills at the football club. Whoever's dishing those out, pay That's for nice. some calf surgery for Jack Martin. Seriously. Get the rich guys at this football club to donate something for this man. He's such a tease, isn't he? Oh, why does he do this? It's frustrating. He um, is such a tease. He'll probably another be my one guy next year as well. Well, you're lucky. One of these players had a bit of a good end to the season because, well, one of the other ones was Paddy Dow. Who, I guess, what do you make of him, Lockie? There's going to come a point where I guess he's not going to be under the pump. Because it's like, there's just no expectation. Well, yeah, un- under the pump at the Hornets. Um, <laughs> no, but like if we if he, if we just run it back with him next year and then he's not named round one, like is, any, is, it, is anyone going to yeah. be still in his corner, like asking for him to come mm. in? I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with Paddy Wow. Yeah, and I guess your last one was Will Setterfield, who... He's yeah. probably turned in the space of about two to three games, completely turned his his career around. It's that recency bias, mate. You, you end the season strongly. Exactly. You play in that in that inside midfield role, and now we're all again optimistic and back on the Will Setterfield train, which I think mm. I bored and, and sort of get off every single couple of weeks. <laughs> the amount of times I'm like, Setterfield's back. And then the next week it's like, and Setterfield's out of the team. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen from a footballer. So 
Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> an, an interesting, interesting 2023 for that man there. Um, but maybe, but maybe th- this is where like we we change the narrative around this kind of this topic because it doesn't ne- it be what what does being under the pump mean? Does that just mean that you're not like an out and out best twenty two walk up every week? Because I hope that next season there is going to mm. be you know a lot of players in the best twenty two that every week need to perform yeah. in order because mm. there's so much pressure in the twos. Mm. So. You know, Will could be in the best yeah. 22 round one or not. Either way, he's going to be under the pump and he's going to need mm. to perform every week or else mm. we're not yeah, seeing it. I think some of these, like a lot of them were kind of like, say your Setterfields, Dows and Marchbank, it was kind of like, well, if they don't perform this year, if they're injured, that's their AFL yep. career done. And so I think that's kind of the aspect of like, these guys need to show something this year or they're in trouble and then there was some other, like a Jack Martin and a Zach Williams, where it's like, mate, we paid a lot of money on these guys salary-wise. You need to show mm. something to prove yourself. Um, so I think that's kind of how we've True. probably interpreted it at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see if we change that in the off-season and, and evolve that around. But I always like to scratch Too back cool. to that and see if anyone has really outdone themselves. And with that, <laughs> let's go into the most improved. Lockie, you went big Mitch McGovern. I went Lockie O'Brien. Would you take any of those as your most improved? <laughs> I think you can make a discussion for Lob, not make an argument for Lob. And fuck it. You can make an argument for Mitch. We are, what are we saying here? Mitch McGovern is in the under six games all Australian team. Is yes. that something that we could map out? Maybe we'll do that. I think so. Let's do that. Let's let's go <laughs> under six games, all Australian team for this season. Much like, you know, Will Setterfield potentially not being eligible for the bloody VFL. Exactly. We're getting the eligibility in for our all Australian <laughs> team. You, you watch out. <laughs> but no, I think as far as improvement, it's insane. Like he's kind of gone from what is he? Is he even going to be on this list in a couple of years to even with his injury, pretty vital cog in this system and team. Like even when he was out injured, everyone's going, God, we need Mitch McGovern back in this team. We need that interceptor. So it's insane the kind of what he's done to turn his his fortunes around. Um, Let's go into our ladder prediction. Both of us said eighth. Well, we can fuck that off. Let's move on to the next one. Pretty Uh, close. (laughs) Very close. Uh, Leading goal kicker both for said Harry, which makes sense. Obviously, Charlie shocks everyone and wins that. Um, we'll go on to some non-Carlton ones before coming back. Uh, Wooden Spoon. I said Hawthorne. You said Adelaide, which is very interesting. Neither mm. happened. Um, then Premiership. Not bad. I'm out, of, I'm out of the competition. I said the Doggies, even though I probably Doggies. wanted to say Brisbane, but I was too bit scared to roll that one back. But you've said Brisbane, and they're still in this. You said they'd defeat Melbourne in the grand final after a draw. After so a draw, let's... exactly. It's still alive. Anything could happen. Um, obviously, there's a few that still have not happened. Like Brownlow, you said Christian Petrarca, which probably hey. isn't happening. You said nope. Caleb Strong's a smoky. Not happening. Yikes. I said Jack Steele. Maybe Bad. if he didn't get injured. Oh, but no. Probably not. Probably not. Hate it. Um, but I will say right now, uh, we know I'm, I'm a little bit of a gambling man. And I didn't say he'd win, but I still have that $10 on 
Brayshaw. I had him at $51 at the start of the year. Wow. At one stage, the cash out was like 110 I said, no, we're riding this home. Absolutely. Mate, if he wins, does that count as a predicting the Brownlow medalist? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole point. That's why you just got to throw 30 names out there. And then we just <laughs> take that little... We need to get better at that. We need to get we better do. at quantity over quality. <laughs> That's all right. I'll just... I'll edit over that. It'll be like... And I reckon... We'll win the brown line. <laughs> and we'll just clip that out and chuck it out there. Um, and then mm. the John Nichols medal winner. You had Jacob Weedering. Um, I had Taddy yeah, Cripps. Yeah. I reckon oh. I'm on there still. I reckon I could yeah, get I that one. Um, so I actually reckon it's going to be Sardi yeah? now. But I, but I, I back you. I get, yeah. I get you made your prediction months ago. I'm going to make mine three weeks before. I'm going to say Sardi. Well, you can't be just changing your predictions, mate. You got to no, ride no. Jacob Weedering till the end. Um, but no, I agree with you. I think Sadi's a red hot crack. It's it's probably going to be one of the first in a long time that could be a lot of players, and, and yeah. that's the interesting part. Definitely. But let's get into the season awards. Probably to wrap this one up. Um, let's go into most improved. We gave our predictions. Now it's time to answer who it was. Let's go to the fans first. I tabulated so many of these votes. Um, and thank you again for all of them. Absolutely love to hear Great from you guys. We want to make ones. you guys apart from this. And you came out in droves and you gave, well, actually some of these do a little bit of a placing in third place for most improved. <laughs> we had we had Big Young come in at 12 votes. We had Kennedy in second on 14. And this was actually a fun one to do because I was adding one vote onto each player as I was going up and it was like <laughs> one man went out to a big lead. The next guy comes up and, mate, votes were going everywhere. But your winner with 21 votes is Matty Cottrell as the most improved. Lockie, who would you give your award to? Wowee. Well-deserved, Cotters. I'm going to go fish. Yeah. Well, this is who you gave. We both gave probably the mid-season um, yeah. part of it. I tr- I thought about it, and maybe again that last few games of the season he maybe dipped a little bit. Right. I've been wrapped up in the Cottrell fever, and I've given mine to Cottrell. I think because he's gone from literally could be delisted to now almost. Like best twenty two lock, like I find it hard to do Almost. my team and be very stiff. Going, oh, I want Cottrell in there, but like, does he get in there? It's he's done. He's done incredibly well to turn his AFL career around, and so I think yeah. I think I've given it to him because of that. But it, it's surprising yeah. that so many have chosen Kennedy there, who I guess I didn't necessarily think of. But when you put mm. a bit of thought to it, his season was really really good. Definitely. And this isn't one for the the podcast listeners, but yeah, I kind of had, if you had Cottrell down here and Fish here at the start of the season, I feel like they've kind of both like, yeah, like I agree, Cottrell's like on the fringe now, but Fish, like we didn't know whether he was going to be best 22. Mm. He wasn't going to be delisted, but he wasn't around it. And now it's like, there's yeah. a space for you, my friend, but and, both, and good, probably, both good. And probably went to a higher level than Cottrell, which is potentially harder to get to. So I love that one. Um, best recruit, probably a really easy one. Um, second place was Lewis Young. We've yeah. then got George Hewitt coming in with a whopping 53 votes compared to the 10 that Young copped as the love best it. recruit. Assume that's the same for you, Lockie. Lock it in. We love George. 
He was unbelievable this season and sorely missed in those last few rounds. Uh, hmm. Then the next one we've got is best game. Now, in second <laughs> place from the fans was Sydney on 22 votes. In first place on 36 was Richmond round one, which it kind of hurts that we potentially peaked at the first game of the season. I, I wish no. it could have been a later game, um, but what have you chosen as your best game of the season? Yeah, they were they are the two standouts by far, but it's got to be Richmond. I think that's going to yeah. be an all-time game core memory mm. for footy, yeah. I think. I think so. Just that monkey off the back to start the season in a positive fashion. The optimism was high, and, and that was a fun one to attend. So uh, many, there was just so many moments, like so many yeah. memorable moments in that game as well that stick out, which I'm sure we'll get to. But Which yeah. you've segued perfectly in. because You're the next welcome. Is best moment of the season, and the two main ones that were voted by the fans both came from this game, um, which you might see some discrepancy in the voting for this one. In second place on four votes was Zach Fisher's goal in the last quarter that almost tore the non-existent roof off the MCG. The grandstands were almost crumbling to the ground in that one. Um, but, yes, that was four votes. The winner on 49 votes was, of course, <laughs> Lockie's goal in that same game. Lockie, your best moment of the season. I feel like I could do, like, a top 10 moments of just that game because it was like... <laughs> You have Hewitt's first goal for the club, oh. Chez's first goal, Martin's from outside 50, Kripa from 50, obviously the fish one. But yeah, yeah. The, the dock goal was the moment of the season mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, like I'd love to give it to Fish because I did the ultimate warrior sort of shaking of the ropes on the um, barricade <laughs> in front of me on, on Stadium 2. I was going absolutely ham on that thing, helping shake the MCG. But it's so hard to go past you know, just Sam Doherty in that goal and just what it meant for all the non-football reasons. Just unbelievable. Like, you watch that back and every single time you just get a tear in your eye. It's just absolutely beautiful. Oh, and that's, that's what footy's about. So we love that. Um, biggest surprise is the last uh, award here, which I love throwing out because you get a big variety of different answers because it literally could be yeah, anything. Um, big shout out to Nick Wishart. Um, who threw his out as uh, Daniel Harford getting a two-year extension with the AFLW team as coach, which I uh, had a bit of a chuckle at. But the fans voted and they've given second place to Lewis Young's rise and his season as a whole from behind, you know, and Oscar McDonald, what are we getting here with pick, what, 53, to becoming a big staple of this team. But the fans have voted an overwhelming winner Basically just saying Charlie Curnow's season and, and what he was able to do, winning the Coleman medal, absolutely yeah. insane. Lockie, what was your biggest surprise of season 2022? That was it. I just wrote down Charlie Coleman. Yeah. There's just no way. There's just no way that anyone could have seen this coming, except for one good punter on Twitter, which I did see. I don't know if you and I spoke about this or not. Mm. I think maybe we did at the game. Um, so one man had the foresight to that Charlie would make this um leap but definitely the biggest surprise for me 
Yeah. I'm also pretty confident in saying that our mate, uh, big Pommy and Oz also said that Charlie would definitely be our leading goal kicker, if not common oh, medalist. So a big shout out to him as well. Big Charlie Kerno oh, stand that we love. So there's a couple out there that are just a lot smarter than us, Lucky. We need to get our predictions a lot better for next season. We've got to hit on these. Yeah. But <laughs> that it. was definitely mine. I thought I'd throw another one in there just because I felt like these there were so many that were clearly the answer. And a, a big surprise for me was just our apparent depth and resilience when faced with mounting injuries. Like you look at Lewis Young mm. stepping up, Setterfield, Doherty late, Marchbank, Sam Durden getting thrown in with like one game of VFL under his belt, the rise of a Jordan Boyd having to throw him in. I -hmm. didn't expect us, if you told me this last year, all these plays would be out. How would you perform? I'd be like, oh, we're stuffed. Like that's just, we cannot perform to any AFL standard because we Mm. couldn't before. Those plays out would be disaster. That was a big surprise for me. And that gives me a bit of hope going into next season, seeing what we're able to do in those hard times. If we can get a fit list together, I'm rubbing my hands together over that. Um, probably the last thing because I completely forgot this. So let's jump. Let's jump back to talk about this season, and maybe this rounds this off nicely. <laughs> kind of comparing this season to previous, and trying to get a cool. bit of a holistic view leading up into our list management and seeing maybe the areas we need to improve to. Let's start to look at some stats here. So if you're watching on YouTube, I will have put these on, hopefully, if I remember. Um, They'll be on screen now. If you're listening, apologies if it's a lot of stats coming at you. I'll try to make it as easy as possible. But here we go. For season 2021, we had eight wins. This year, 12 improvement. Last year, 14 losses. This year, 10. Percentage jumped from 88.5 to 108.3. Went from the 13th position to 9th. Probably the disappointing part on this is that at the sort of mid-season review, we were also on eight wins. And then to only get, I guess, four out of those and get seven losses is that disappointing part. Um, but what I'm really interested in is seeing those sort of key metrics and seeing the difference. So let's get into that. So this is a big jump from last year. We went disposals. We ranked 18th this year, second. <laughs> Disposal efficiency Sorry. was 16th, fifth this year. Kicks, we were 13th. We were second this year. Handballs, 17th, fourth this year. Um, kick to handball ratio, which was something that was talked about a lot, that we kicked the football too much. It was 1.7 last year, 1.5 this season. Contested possessions, we were 15th, now second in the competition. Uh, wow. Uncontested possessions was 17th, now fourth. I guess, does that give you a bit of optimism in just the overall improvement from last year? Yeah, well, if you can... You know, if you think that we're the same side that was going out there last year, it's just, it's night and day, isn't it? I think, again, I guess a disappointment is I've still got the stats up from the mid-season and in pretty much all of them, we dropped from like, you know, first in disposal to second, third in efficiency to fifth, second in handballs to fourth, first in uncontested possessions to first to fourth. So we did drop off a little bit. Um, Obviously, why our wins went that way as well. 
Um, but I do have some other stats to go through. Um, let's talk about the center clearances. We ranked 15th last year, 7th this year, which dropped mm. from 1st in that mid-season part. Does that, yeah. Is that because we lost Pitonet? Did that play a role? Obviously, midfield was something that struggled. So that's probably another key yeah. area to look for improvement. And that's why I like looking at these stats because you can kind of tell a little bit from them and go, okay, this is something that dropped off. This is something that is still clearly an area to improve. Let's address it. Um, stoppage clearances. We ranked 12th last year, 9th at the moment. And the mid-season point, we ranked 14th. So that is an area that we did improve on from the mid-season, which is interesting. Um, mm. Marks was 14th last year. Now it's 7th, um, which dropped from 2nd mid-year. Inside 50s went from 12th to 8th. Again, another that dropped as we were ranked 5th at mid-year. Um, tackles, we ranked 15th last year and mid-season. But we brought it up to 13th. So that tackle pressure <laughs> has gone up, which we like to see. Um, and then to end it, which is a big one, tackles inside 50. Mate, we ranked 17th last year for that pressure in that part of the ground that you want to win the ball. Mm-hmm. We're now fifth, um, which drops from third in the midseason, but just an overall ridiculous jump from pretty much all these stats were like worst in the AFL or bottom four <laughs> or five to now be ranked in the top eight for pretty much every single one of these stats. It kind of shows you where we came from. It's frustrating that we aren't in the eight when you look at a lot of those being second, fourth in a lot of these stats. But if you want the optimism, I mean, the improvement's there. With one preseason, who knows where we can jump from with one more. I think it's it's a sad end. It's not what we wanted. But the, the scope to improve is there. And, and I think you touched on this perfectly, so I kind of want to end on this point, which is... yeah. We didn't know what we were going to get this season. And I'm glad at least if you want to take some positive out of it is we kind of know where we are now and we've seen enough good to know that, mate, we're playing finals footy next year and that's not even the ceiling. That's the floor. Well said, mate. You've got me hyped up. Let's get it. Absolutely love it. And I guess just to wrap this one up, we'll be doing so much content in the off-season. So if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe so you don't miss. If you're on any streaming service, chuck the subscribe, follow button, whatever it is. Never miss an episode because we've got list analysis. We've got trade build-up, trade updates throughout the period, a review of that. I've been doing work hard analyzing this draft class. There'll be plenty of Mm build-up discussion over that. Um, and another review of the full list because we've seen Liam Stocker, Will Hayes go, we've seen some others. We'll be covering it all in this off-season. And we might be getting some guests throughout as well. So let us know people that you oh, want yeah. us to collaborate with throughout this because let's make this end of season big so we can lead into 2023. But that will wrap this episode up. See you guys next time. <laughs>